Well, good morning, everyone. Hope everybody's doing well today. Uh, we've got uh, a, what would I call that? A object lesson that's going to be handed out to everyone here. And we've got several able-bodied attendants helping. Uh, I want you to get one of these and then just keep it. It is edible, but please do not start eating it. You can eat it later if you wish, but I want you just to keep it. We'll talk about it during the service here this morning. Uh, if you're visiting here for the first time from out of town, we're glad you're here. Hope you'll come back whenever you can. Uh, if you are returning after a long time and back with us, uh, so glad you're here again. Please come back. Uh, the church is nothing without those who are parts of the body. And every part is important. We all have something we can do that will uh, make the body better and to work and function better. The topic this morning is really a carryover from the introduction we did last week. We talked about uh, the importance of the body. We called it anatomy lessons, the different parts of the body, and the fact that the body is truly animated. The body has life. The Christian body has life only really because the Spirit of God, the spark, is living and dwelling within us. Much like uh, we had discussed in fiction, people attempted to come up with ideas of what could bring life, the dead things back to life, and of course it was fiction. Electricity is not going to do it, thinking of Frankenstein. But we had been dead in our trespasses and sins, and the only reason we have life at all today is because God saved us. God sent his son to live and die and through his grace and mercy has brought us back to life and that life is because God's spirit dwells within us. Well, the, the topic today for the next several weeks, uh, a great suggestion by uh, Deb over here, uh, which I'm really very thankful for, thank you. Uh, is to look at the different fruit of the Spirit. I'm not going to make a big distinction. It's actually fruit in the text, but that sounds odd to me to say fruit and then different fruits. But fruit or fruits of the Spirit, we're starting off with the first one. And I found this lovely design of this tree, uh, Howard's already talked about it, where it shows the different fruits on the tree. I don't know about you, but I've never really seen a tree like that because the same tree has banana has an apple, a peach, and a pear, and cherries, and who knows what sitting on it. But there's all a variety of different fruit that should be present in the life of a Christian. So we're going to spend some time talking about the different things that should be present in the life of a Christian. And the first one of them is, let me actually get one of those too if I can. We've got one up left. Yep. Okay. Thank you. There's a spare on the second row. Uh, is love mentioned in the passage that Jeff read from Galatians 5. So let's talk about love for a little bit. This is not on your handout. What do we mean by love? Sometimes we can get an idea of what's meant by something when you ask children. We don't know any better than to say what really occurs to them. And so here's what some children have said about love. Love is when a girl puts on perfume and a boy puts on cologne and they go out and smell each other. <laughs> From a five-year-old, that's what love seemed to be. She probably seen perhaps mommy put on perfume and daddy put on cologne and they go out. Obviously, the only reason we put on this good smelling stuff is to smell each other. And so that's her impression of love. 
Love is when you tell a boy that you like his shirt and he wears it every day. Now, ladies, don't let that go to your head. Uh, but I, free, I will freely admit that if, if ladies knew the power they would have over a man, they could say, you know, I really love that purple and orange and pink shirt with the spots on it. That is my favorite shirt, and you look so handsome wearing it. The guy really cares about you. He probably would be wearing a shirt that looked like that every day from here on. That's how crazy love can make people sometimes. But I like this one with from Noel, seven years old. Love is when mommy makes coffee for my daddy, and she takes a sip before giving it to him to make sure that the taste is okay. Well, she may just be needing a sip of coffee. But to Danny here at seven years old, that looks like love to him because mommy is doing something nice for daddy. You really shouldn't say, I love you, unless you mean it. But if you mean it, you should say it a lot. People forget it. Now, there's some marriage counseling and relationship counseling all wrapped into one right there from Jessica, who is eight. People do forget. We do forget. When you were, if you were to compare things that I will say today to things that I have said at Sundays over the last couple of years, you would notice a lot of repetition. The repetition is there because Jessica has her finger right on it. We forget. We forget. That's why the Bible says, remember, over and over and over again. But I really kind of like these uh, ideas of love here. There's a lot of wisdom from these children talking about love. Let's dig a little deeper, as the, the song would go, deeper in the well. Let's dig a little deeper into the topic from uh, the text we're into this morning. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, so we'll focus on today, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Do you remember as a child being told not to eat the seeds of a watermelon? Have you ever been told that? When you're eating a watermelon, don't eat the seeds. Right? Now, I know I'm going to make you hungry. You don't want to be eating that apple. Don't do it yet. But looking at this, right? I mean, this is what a watermelon looks like. Why? Why did mom or dad tell you not to eat the seeds of watermelon? What was going to happen? I'll look to our two young people here today. Max. What was going to happen? What's the worry if you eat the seeds out of a watermelon? What's that? What'd she say? <laughs> uh, the, the, the medical answer, right, could cause digestive problems. If you ask it to a three or four year old, you two are too old, you already know better than this. I can recall being told that a watermelon might grow out of your ears. <laughs> Now, I always thought that would be kind of cool because then I could have watermelon with me all the time. Reach up and just pluck the watermelon off as it's growing on my shoulder. If you swallow the watermelon seed, once the seed's inside you, what's going to happen? Watermelon will come out of you, right? Kids might think maybe that would happen. And if they think maybe a watermelon might grow out of my ears, it's a cautionary note to say, don't eat the seeds out of a watermelon. But remember that idea here for a little while. Seeds going in, watermelon, fruit coming out of your ears. It's the same with the spirit. 
It's the same with the Spirit. Once the Spirit dwells and lives within us, and as we discussed last week, He does dwell and live within us if we are members of God's family, it should be the same way. If we were concerned about a watermelon seed causing watermelons to grow out of us, what ought to happen if the Spirit is living within us? Well, the Spirit, as we said last week, is given to each one of us as members of God's family at the point where we are baptized. Here's a passage that's said a lot toward the end of sermons. I want to talk about it very early in the sermon this morning, Acts 2.38. Peter here, and thank you for the, uh, this was talked about today in the class lesson. Peter in Acts 2.38 says, Each one of you must turn away from your sins and be baptized. And remember, that is immersed. Think about the Oreo on the fork. You're dunking it in the milk. You're not just throwing a few drops of milk at it. Each one of you needs to be immersed in the name of Jesus Christ so that your sins will be forgiven and you will receive God's gift, the Holy Spirit. When we become members of God's family, the Spirit is given to us and lives within us. It is a seed, if you will, that is now within us and it should grow and start bearing fruit, just like the cautionary note of the watermelon seed. Paul calls this gift of the Spirit a guarantee. He calls this gift of the Spirit a guarantee. I want you to look at 2 Corinthians 1. God has given us His Spirit in our hearts as a guarantee over in 2 Corinthians. Well, the Greek word, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time today talking about Greek words, but this one's important. The Greek word right there, underlined as guarantee in the English, is erabon. It's a common Greek word in legal documents. You know those things that you just skim over because there's too many words on the page and you have to sign at the bottom? This word showed up in Greek documents back in New Testament times. And it was considered the first installment of a payment. And it was paid as a guarantee that the rest of the payments were certainly going to follow. It's a down payment. When you buy a car, they want you to give a down payment because they want you to have some skin in the game. They want to know that you've already given this big pile of dollars and the rest will be paid over time. Well, the spirit that God gives us, Paul is essentially calling a down payment. He's saying that the kind of life that we're going to live with the help of the Spirit is the first installment of the life to come. We sing and talk about going home to live with God. That's what the spiritual says. I'm going to live with God. That future life with God where there will be no more sorrow, there will be no more pain, there will be no more suffering. God will be with us. There will always be light and joy and happiness. That eventual life with God is His pledge that it's going to come because we are already becoming partakers of the divine nature. Peter says it over in 1 Peter. We are already starting that life with God because God's living in us today. We are already on our journey, on our way to go to live with God, but it's not as if it's a horrible existence now and it's suddenly a light switch when you die and you're going to be living with God. You already have the down payment from God because God has given you that 
guarantee of what's to come by that gift of the Spirit living within each of us. We are already members of God's family and already have that guarantee of what's to come because the Spirit is living within us. I want you to note first that it is the fruit of the Spirit. The Spirit is what's producing the fruit. It's not me producing the fruit. It's the Spirit producing the fruit. The fruit of the Spirit. Notice, Paul didn't say the fruit of the person who has the Spirit within them is love. This is the fruit of the Spirit, not the fruit of the Christian who has the Spirit living within them. And I'm afraid I have had that impression in the past. It is the Spirit producing the fruit, not us. As we read through this list of the fruit of the Spirit up here at the top of the screen, love, joy, peace, patience, you may think, oh no, I'm such a terrible person. I don't have any love. I don't have any joy. Or I certainly have no patience. I need it now, by the way. I don't have any patience. I don't have any self-control. Maybe I will work on being more patient. That's not the lesson to learn from this idea of the fruit of the Spirit. It's not my fruit. It's not your fruit. It's not something that, in a sense, you can consciously choose to work on to have better fruit. The way to have better fruit is to be more in tune, if you will, with the Spirit living within you. Instead of looking at yourself and thinking, I need to do better at X, or I am a failure, or I have this problem. Instead, I would say, look at Jesus. Look at Jesus and say, in Christ, in Jesus, I am righteous. I'm not righteous on my own. The only way I have any kind of right standing before God is by standing with Jesus. In Christ, in Jesus, I was chosen before the foundation of the world. God chose that people who would hear the call of Jesus, who would accept the call of Jesus, God chose to have this plan by sending this man, Jesus, to save us all from our own self-inflicted wounds, yes. our own self-inflicted sins. Before he ever spoke, let there be light. God already had this planned in mind. He'd already decided what he was going to do. He knew what was going to happen. And so he has allowed me to be saved and allowed me to have the spirit living within me and allowed me to be righteous, standing with a right standing before God, not because of anything Gene has ever done or ever will do, but it's because Jesus is who paid the price for my mistakes. Yes. Right? I'm also appointed to be someone who overcomes. In Jesus, nothing is ever going to be able to get me down and keep me down. On my own, sure. Failure. We actually had a sermon a few weeks ago. I am a failure. Well, on my own, I am a failure. On my own, I am a failure. The only way I'm not a failure is, is when Jesus is living within me and the Spirit continues to dwell within me and God is who I am focused on. In Jesus, I am so precious, I am so priceless that He poured out His blood for me. We often will talk about Jesus 
paying the price for the sins of the world. Well, the world's a real big place. What are there, some 8 billion people living on it now? Or Nashville, right? Nashville. What are there, a million people in Nashville? That's still a big number. How about we simply focus on the fact that Jesus died for Martha? Jesus died for Howard. He died for Kyle. I could fill in every name in here. And if you were the only person on the face of the earth who had ever done anything wrong, God and his plan and his wisdom before the world was ever created would have sent Jesus to die for you. That's how precious you are. It's a different thing when you think about the whole world. How about we put it on the terms God is thinking of, which is absolutely to save the world, but more importantly, to save that one sheep that had wandered off and the 99 staying behind. God has such a priceless view of you and me that Jesus died for me. I'm not just a servant. Jesus told his disciples, I have called you friends. I have called you friends and such you are. I am not a slave living at the entrance to the house, the big house or the master's house. I am an adopted son or daughter who is an heir to all that God is going to provide in the future. And that seal of our adoption, that guarantee of the adoption, is that spirit living within me. We are blessed with every blessing in heavenly places, every good thing that God could give, he has given or is going to be given to those who are members of his family. And we are filled with all the goodness of God as the Spirit lives within us. We are also created for all the good works that God prepared ahead of time. If you want to talk about predestination, sometimes people talk about being predestined ahead of time. What we have been predestined to do as members of His family is to be busy doing good things. Helping other people. Loving other people. That's the predestination that God has put in place. He has set these works up and as a member of his family expects me and has expected that Gene will be busy before the world was created. Why he bothered looking ahead that far to see me, I don't know. But he did for each and every one of us. The spirit within us must change us. Now notice I say we must produce fruit. Coming out of me needs to be the fruit. Think of the watermelon again. Right? But the only way that fruit's going to come out is by me feeling a way to be closer to God and closer to the Spirit. The first fruit mentioned growing out of us, members of God's family, is love. Why love? Why is it first? There's a whole lot of reasons. A whole lot of reasons. We cannot become like God without love. God is love. God is love. Dear friends, John 4, 7, 8, let us love one another because love comes from God. Whoever loves is a child of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. If the Spirit of God is dwelling within me, love has to come out. 
How can it not come out if God's Spirit is dwelling within me? Love has to be first. In fact, without God being love, we would not know what love was. Whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. I think that's the whole idea of God dwelling within us, the Spirit of God dwelling within us. It is foundational. It's the basis, the, the foundation for all other of these fruits that we're going to be talking about. By this we know that we abide in him and he is in us because he has given us of his spirit. The way we know that we are members of God's family is love that comes out of us because God's spirit is dwelling within us. Love must be there because God's spirit is dwelling within us. It's as if all the other fruits, in fact, all the other expressions of the fruit of the spirit are experienced inside this much broader sphere of love. Love is the glue that holds all the rest together. Why on earth would you be patient if you don't love? The people who aren't patient, I'm sure we've all run across them, usually don't have a very loving outlook or approach to anything. Think about people who are showing anger and they don't have love. The other aspects of the fruit that you see up here in Galatians 5 on the top of the screen all really come from that first fruit of love. You could even think of love as that first fruit and everything else simply is kind of on a round slice of the fruit, if you will, slicing the fruit. In fact, you can find some translations. If you look up at the top line, but the fruit of the Spirit is love. You see a comma on the screen. Some translations don't put a comma, they put a colon. The fruit of the Spirit is love. And then these other things are the way love is expressed. It is expressed from joy. It is expressed from peace. It is expressed through patience. It is expressed through kindness, through goodness, through faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You know, there's not a colon in the Greek language that it was originally written in. That may very well have been the original intent. The fruit of the Spirit is love. If you've got love, how are you not going to be patient? If you've got love, how are you not going to be gentle? If you've got love, these other things are going to fall. I don't like the idea of, of dominoes knocking over everything else because it's not something that's necessarily automatic, but it's got to be there. If you have love, you're going to be showing patience. And again, suppose you say to yourself, I'm not very patient. I need to work on patience. It's not me. It's not you generating this fruit. It's the fruit of thorough. Does it say that up here? <laughs> the fruit of thorough. No, it doesn't say that. Is it the fruit of David? Does it say that? No. The fruit of the Spirit. So if I am not showing these fruits, these expressions of fruit, the, this love and the expressions of love the way it seems to me like I ought to, the focus is not, I need to write the word patient down like a thousand times on the note card and look at it all the time. That, that's not it. I need to be closer to God. I need to be closer to the Spirit dwelling within me. I need to focus on becoming the kind of person God wants me to be and being closer to God, and that will generate the fruit that we're talking about here in Galatians 5. Love also must be unselfish. So it has to be there because God is love and is foundational. It has to also be unselfish. Here's another child's thoughts on love. 
Love is when mommy gives daddy the best piece of chicken. That's Elaine, who was five years old. Well, does mommy not like chicken? Uh, presumably, mommy does like chicken, I would think, right? But love means you give the best to somebody else. Now, daddy is a smart daddy, right? Sometimes he's going to swap plates when mommy's not looking because daddy loved mommy would give her the best piece of chicken. Wouldn't it be nice to have an argument over, no, you need the best piece of chicken? Uh, don't argue over that. She loves dad more than she loves the chicken. That's really why it's occurring. And Elaine, five years old, has already seen it. John 13, 34 through 35. Jesus says, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you must also love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples. Because you argue and fuss at each other all the time. And pick it in front of other people's buildings. And throw stones at other people. It's not what he said, is it? By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Can't get much more foundational than that. How did Jesus love us? The statement in John 13 is right after, it's right after he has washed the disciples' feet. And it was over Peter's objection to do it. You show that you love people by doing things for people that show that you care about them. Right? It's unselfish. Unselfish. Too often we look after number what? What's that phrase? Got to look after number one. Wrong. Wrong. We talk about looking after number one. To a Christian, you are never number one. God is number one. Your neighbor, if you will, is number two. We, as individuals, are always last, third or last. Right? What a horrible thing to say, well, I've got to look after number one. I would stay and help you, but I've got to look after number one. I know you're hurting, but my life is a mess, so I've got to leave because I have to look after number one. We've all heard it. I don't know how many times. God won. Others second, us at least third, if not last. You know, you've seen the signs that used to be on the billboards. What did it say? I am second. Remember that? I always wanted to write to people and say, I'm third. Because God's first, others have to come ahead of me. We must be unselfish. Or it's not love. We're not showing love if we're acting selfishly. Our primary goal is not self-preservation, right? Sometimes people, when they say that the motivation factors, we talk to behavioralists and all this kind of stuff, they'll say the underlying primary goal is self-preservation. Whatever you got to do, you, you save yourself. That's what drives people. It really shouldn't be. It should be becoming selfless. God wants us to think less of self and more about him. There's a song that goes that way. Less of self and more of thee. We cause so much sin and grief and suffering because we fail right here. We are selfish instead of selfless. The love also has to be unconditional love. It's not love that says, if you do this, then I will love you. 
Conditional love doesn't work. It's not love. It's, it's an exchange. It's payment. You're simply buying services. Love me and I will do X. That doesn't work that way. Romans 5.8. God shows his love for us and that while we were yet sinners, Jesus Christ died for us. How less conditional could that be? We had not turned our lives around. We had not done great things or loving things. We were sinners. And God let Jesus die for me when I was a sinner. Talk about unconditional love. That's it. 1 John 4.20 If anyone says, I love God but hates his brother, he's a liar. Pretty harsh statement. Liars are in a bad group. They have a bad destiny according to the book of Revelation. And so if I say I love God but I hate my brother, number one, I love. Number two, I hate. He's a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God who he has not seen. That's one of the reasons why in this place, the sign on the front door says all are welcome. So we don't be In this place, we are brother and sister. In this place, we are all people who should love each other. Period. Period. Can't be where I love God. I don't have time for my brother or sister. Love is not unconditional. It's silence when your words might hurt. <clears throat> Silence when your words might hurt. Just because you can think of something that would be snazzy, just because you could say something, even if it's true. How about if it's going to be hurtful, we just keep our mouths shut? It's patience when your neighbor is short with you. That's why that's a problem I've had in the past. Somebody, maybe I can keep my mouth shut, but boy, somebody pops it at me and I'm Patience, even when somebody else is short with me. It's deafness when there's a scandal. How about we do this? Somebody starts saying something bad about each other? I can't hear what you're saying. Really? What they do? That's sinful. Don't give it a place to grow. Walk away. Put your fingers in your ears. Be deaf when there's a scandal. It is thoughtfulness when you have somebody else that's experiencing trouble. Finding a way to help when somebody else is experiencing trouble. It is promptness when there is a stern duty. You know, it's not a loving thing when somebody's playing basketball near the edge of a high-rise building without a wall or a fence or a railing to just see if they're going to catch that ball as it's dribbling over that direction. It requires quick action when it's stern to say, don't, because that will harm you. That will destroy you. Sometimes we're like, well, not really any of my business. Now, maybe they like playing basketball on the roof with the lights off tonight. You can't be that way if we're talking about brothers and sisters. It is promptness, quick action when there is a stern thing that needs to occur. It's courage when you have misfortune, when trouble comes up. And it's trust. The ability to trust and to have faith, even when you don't understand why or how, something's really going to work out. Now, 
Everybody hold that up. Emma's got it nice and high. You got one of these, hold it up. I want to see if there's any apple cores. <laughs> what do you have in your hand? What is this? It's a what? An apple, right? How do you know it's an apple? Well, I, I recognize it. Let me ask this. Where did it come from? Tree. I thought somebody surely would be joking with me and say, Kroger. Yeah. Kroger or someplace. This apple came from an apple tree. The apple tree produces the apple. What should you think when you see love? When you see an action of love, where did it come from? For a Christian, it should come from the inside. It should come from the spirit. It should come from the fact that God is love. Right? There's something in an apple tree that does not produce bananas. An apple tree, even its name, it's a tree that produces apples, and that's what we call it. I'm sure there's some fancy name, but it's a tree that produces apples. When somebody sees me, when somebody sees you, do they see an apple tree? Or do they see a hackberry? That's one of my least favorite trees. When they see what I do day to day during the week, do they see an apple and think, that's because God lives within them. That's because they have the Spirit within them. They're a follower of Jesus. Now, I got the apple because, as you can see, right, we've got little fruits on that tree. That tree's going to show up each week as we study different Expressions of what ought to be in our lives because the Spirit is within us. Again, don't make the mistake of seeing patience up there and thinking, I don't have any patience. I need to work on patience. Wrong answer. Wrong answer. If you aren't seeing these fruits in your life day to day, then what you really need is to work on being closer to being closer to God will mean the spirit living within you will be generating these fruits. If you're not yet a member of God's family, if you have not realized and recognized that Jesus came and lived and died for you and God raised him from the dead, if you haven't made the decision to turn your life around quit living for wrong and live for God, if you haven't yet died to yourself in the waters of baptism right behind me, where you reenact the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, dying to yourself and being raised to walk as a new person, then anything that you're leaving behind you during the week is not nearly as attractive as an apple. need to become a member of God's family so that that spirit who will then dwell within you can start having that effect on everything that you do. 
you're a member of God's family and you don't think there's been a lot of apples left behind, the first step toward leaving more apples, showing more love in the things that you do, and the things that you see around you and the people who are around you, is to come back to God and to ask for forgiveness and to rededicate, to focus your life on living for God and being close to God. Do you need help this morning in anything that we have talked about? If so, now is the time. Please don't let today go by as we stand and sing.